listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. It is so easy to get lost on the creative journey. That's why this show exists, to help you get back on the path to reaching your creative potential. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into this episode. Quick shout out to our sponsors. Skillshare is one of our lovely favorite sponsors that we just love so much. We launched a new Skillshare class this year called Social Media for Creatives, Five Exercises to Power Your Freelance Career. And the thing I love about this class is that I think when you're approaching social media, it's easy easy to feel like you got to do everything all at once. But this shows you that there's actually a bunch of different things that you do in a particular sequence. You know, exercise one, we're talking about who are you trying to connect with? Exercise two, building brand awareness. Like how do you get people who have never heard of you to hear of your work for the first time? And then once they've done that, what do you do? There's several steps after that. It's not all just like just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something sticks. It's a, it's a process. Go check it out. Skillshare.com slash creative pep for a full free month and take the class today. Video is one of the most effective ways to stand out as a creator online these days. And with Storyblocks, you can take your videos to the next level with affordable subscriptions, unlimited downloads, and 1 million plus royalty-free assets. You can level up your content at storyblocks.com slash creative pep talk. So this is both a standalone episode as well as a kind of pick up from the last episode, kind of like the 90s Spider-Man cartoon where there's a thread going through, but you could drop in and out and get it totally, okay? Uh, This episode, we're going to talk about essence. We're going to talk about putting the the substance behind your work, you know, Baking in that deep dish dish. to your pizza. And in the last episode, we talked about how the wrong vessel can actually make the best essence taste awful. We talked about, you know, I'm fascinated by these stories like there's a comic, Nathan Bargazzi, who's like, it didn't all come together until he grew a beard, Like there was something about putting some hair on that vessel that made his character make more sense in a way that just clicked. And uh, one of my all time, maybe my favorite comic right now, James Acaster talks about how, you know, he was like a music boffin. He's British. So they say boffin. And he goes, you know, he's like he he fancied himself uh, as a cool hip guy who was in cool bands that were pushing the envelope. And when he got on stage to do comedy, he was kind of like, you know, here I am, cool guy, James Acaster. And then over time, he realized like, no, just the way I look the way I'm perceived, the vessel that is embodying that essence, people are seeing me as like a total nerd, dweeb, and I've got to do something with that. And I've always been fascinated by, uh, there's all these famous kind of acting or improv retreats where you go away and everyone is challenged to tell you what their first impression of you is. And you don't have to live into that impression. You don't have to be stuck within meeting the expectations of your vessel, be it your style or, or your, your looks or whatever. But I think having that information 
tells you something about what you want to do, how you want to present, how you want to shift perspectives. Randall Park was on Mike Birbiglia's podcast. I love Randall Park. And he talked about going in one of those acting retreats and everybody giving him the first impression. He was kind of like shocked and disgusted by the stereotypes, the Asian stereotypes that were coming up. And it, it, and it didn't mean that he had to roll with what the perception was. It actually informed him making decisions that defied those things. And so I'm not telling you, the last episode wasn't about you are bound to the vessel, you've got to meet the expectations of your audience, but you've got to, you've got to come to terms with how people are perceiving you and then make interesting decisions because of it. You know, I'm reminded of the stand-up comic who would go into college towns and he would, he would say, hey, you know, what is the one thing I'm not allowed to talk about? Like, what, what should I avoid in this town at this college? And they would tell him and he'd be like, all right, thanks. And then he would start his set with that topic. And so it's all information. You know, finding out what the perception is, finding out how people are interacting with you or what they're seeing in your work, it doesn't dictate what you do with it. But that information can be incredibly valuable. And, and at the end of the day, the la that last episode that was all about vessel was all about the cup that you put the coffee of your art into. It's not about doing one thing or another. It's about being mindful of the cup. You can do almost anything with the cup as long as you're intentional and mindful and realize that it's a huge part of the equation. Okay. That's what we talked about last episode, a little refresh. This week, I want to talk about how important it is to fill your style. Fill up that cup with some coffee. You got to fill that style with substance, man. You get, you get, it can't be just hollow, a beautiful cup and just the nastiest coffee uh, that you've ever tasted. Like that's a problem. You've got to have some depth. You've got to have some humanity. You know, you can't always even tell like the exactly what the difference is between a copy and original, but on a gut level, you know, the original has some blood, sweat, and tears, some lived experience, right? How do you put that in there? Even if it's not in an obvious way, you know, a lot of art is like that iceberg thing. You see the vessel is what you see. That's the tip of the iceberg. But for that thing to truly shine, it's got to have that huge body of ice under the water that you don't see. And it makes all the difference, even if you consciously don't realize it. You ever like go the extra mile with a piece of work? Like you're like, I'm sick of it. You know, everybody just like showing them the piece, showing them the song. And they're like, D did you think about this part? What about that part? What about, did you, you know, uh, I'm not going to give them any excuses. I'm going to make this thing uh, perfection. I'm going to pull out all the bells and whistles. I'm going to get in the details and just make sure that this thing pops and shines like some freshly popped popcorn shining with movie butter. <laughs> 
talking about movie butter, man. I'm going the extra mile, but wait, what happens when it backfires? You tried to make movie Ooh, butter, butter popcorn butter. at home, and now the popcorn is half dry and flavorless and half soggy. The other half of the bowl is soggy popcorn. It's shriveled into a little goo. Oh, I hate when that happens. You and I mean, come on. We've had we're in the pandemic. We can't go to the theater. Tell us the secret of movie butter. Movie butter. How do you make that butter that's somehow the fourth state of mass that's not it moves like a liquid, but it doesn't make something as porous as popcorn wet? That's just a popcorn rant. <laughs> It doesn't have anything to do with art, but sometimes it does. You're like, man, how is it that sometimes you're making art and you make it super slick? You're trying to make it pop and shine and and somehow in the process loses its essence. The more perfect it becomes, the more perfect that vessel is. You know, it shrivels up like the wet popcorn. Sometimes I go the extra mile. I really round out every rough corner, you know, iron every crease, really trying to make that piece sing. And I show it to a friend and they kind of cock their heads like a dog, you know, that thinks like, did you say walk or is it ramen night? And you're, you're getting the walk out. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, I don't look like an idiot. Walk. Oh, yeah, I love ramen night. <laughs> Give me a bowl. The dog says, you know, they're not going like, to go crazy if they're not 100% sure. And that's what your friend, <laughs> you give your friend the art and they look at it like, ah, they're like, I should like it. Everything on the surface looks right, but there's something in my gut, something subconscious that I cannot put my finger on that I just don't like it. And so they cock their head and they say, I like it. And that's what we all want as artists, isn't it? We just want people to, to, to ask you if they like it. <laughs> you know, with the, I like it with a question mark. I like it. Uh, I like it. Like it looks right, but it feels like maybe you put subliminal weird stuff in here. That means if I actually say that I like it, that I'm secretly a horrible person. Am I supposed to like it? What's wrong with this piece of work? No, we want to make art that when you Show it to someone. It's like not a dog cocking its head to the side, but a dog doing zoomies, right? Just, whoa, man, yeah. Like, we want that. We got into making art because of the art that made us want to do zoomies, right? You get out of that movie and you want to run around the earth at max speed just so your body catches up with how your soul is speeding around, man. Like, that's the kind of stuff we want to make. Like, woo, you're running around, but you got to stop because you're going to puke from all that movie butter. That's that's the name of this episode, movie butter. Movie Movie butter. butter. (laughs) Talking about zoomies, movie butter. butter. If you don't know, zoomies are when dogs like running around a circle at warp speed because they're so pumped. We want, that's a response we want. We, from our art, when we show it to somebody, right? And so we craft the perfect presentation, the perfect vessel, the style is so well executed, so on point, but then something is wrong. We get that cocked head to the side thing. You ever have that? It's awful. So you probably heard of this idea of suspending your disbelief. You know, when you're watching a show or a movie, 
you actually have this thing, these mirror neurons in your brain that makes it feel like you're experiencing this thing. But there, it, it's actually really easy to kind of throw that off and you can't buy into what you're watching. You can't suspend that disbelief. And what that means is they, they need to cover up every seam. They, they really need to craft the perfect set and the actors have to be really believable and, and you have to real, everything has to be right or your brain is going to reject it and get distracted by the fakeness. The fakeness can make all the efforts of everyone mean nothing. It means, you know, okay, I'm having a hard time feeling like this is olden times when I'm watching little women, if they leave a Starbucks cup in the shot right? That actually happened. Go look it up. I would be, man, we all creative people have had those little things. We're like, ah, you know, how many people were designing that set and some person just leaves out a coffee cup and you're like, up my, there goes my, uh, there goes my belief in this whole thing. That show or movie you couldn't, you just couldn't get into. You felt like the whole time you're just sat in a room looking at a screen opposed to the times where you step into a movie theater for two hours and all of a sudden lost in space and time and you're there for two decades to the point where you walk outside and you're, and it's daylight and you're like, what the heck? How is it 3 p.m., man? I've been on the moon already today. Uh, and you're like, shoo, I got so much stuff, so much time for the rest of my day to be doing whatever I want to do. But too bad, I'm going to have to just go lay on the couch because there's a rock in the pit of my stomach that is move, 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 movie butter. Movie. Man, that movie butter can really make you feel something awful. But seriously, that's what we want. We want to get sucked into the art. We want to believe with our whole, we want to forget about ourselves and just be overwhelmed and, and brought into the art. And consciously, we might not even know what is making it hard to suspend our disbelief because our subconscious is so finely attuned to pick up on the inauthenticity or the fakeness. You're watching two friends on screen have this intense moment outside of a coffee shop. They're really selling it. These actors, their whole body is moving around. They're flailing, talking over these to-go coffees. And the performance is so on point. The cinematography is off the charts. Why? Why can't I lose myself? Why can't I suspend my disbelief? Why can't I get into this? And then it hits you, man. Nobody with a fresh to-go coffee would be flinging it around like that. I don't care if you just found out your son is a secret serial killer. You're not going to be taking a coffee and flinging it all over the place and moving your hands all around like that because the only way you could do that is if that coffee cup is empty and it doesn't matter how well you craft that look, that cup, the brand on it, how believable it is, and you stylize everything on a subconscious level, we notice when something is empty and we can't look past the hollowness. We can't move on because there's no substance in this thing, no matter how Perfect, the craft is trying to tell me otherwise. The substance cannot be faked with all the style, the pop and shine. 
that fakeness will distract us and we'll reject it on a conscious level, if not a subconscious level. You know, last week I was telling you about this episode of the docu-series on Netflix, This Is Pop, and it's the boys to men effect. Huge boys to men fan. It's a huge part of my childhood, but still, if I really want to get into like washing the dishes, it's definitely boys to men. And, And I love it. And I was watching that and they talk about it's either... On bended knee, or I make I'll make love to you. It might have been in no, it was end of the road. Okay, it was end of the road. I know you boys to men fans are like, wait a second, which song are we talking about? And uh, it was ri- oh yeah, it's written by Babyface. Now Babyface, this is a smooth guy. He knows how to craft a smooth vessel. No seams, no creases, hi-fi, high definition, right? And Wanye, the guy who just got, has this crazy voice, he's doing the vocal runs in the background like nobody's business, right? And at one point in the, like the climax of the song, his voice cracks. And uh, he finishes the take and he's like, all right, let me do that over again. And Babyface is like, no, absolutely not. Why? You know why. Why did they not get rid of that take when it was not perfect? When the vessel was not on point, because like Frank Ocean says, sometimes HD is too real, man. It's realer than real. It's so too real is fake. And no matter how on point you can make that cup look, we can't stomach the fakeness. And humans are not perfect. And when your vessel is too perfect, It's going to shout fakeness. And so that vocal crack, that's believable. When you're singing your heart out, when you're in pain, you think you're on point? I don't think so, man. Come on. You've seen these folks, these people where every single clothing item is perfectly selected from the right Pinterest board. It's almost like when things are too perfect with the vessel and when the vessel's too popping, too shiny, that you start to get suspicious that maybe these people are overcompensating. Did you spend so much time crafting that vessel, making it shine to distract us from the fact that there's nothing inside of it? You know, Sophie and I have this little code word, okay? (laughs) There's, you ever heard the thing, Shakespearean thing, it's not, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's me. Th- it's not me thinks, but that's what I'm thinking. Me thinks he doth protest too much. I can't remember what the actual one is, but it basically means like you're giving too much of an explanation to this whole story that I'm starting to believe that it's coming from a place of guilt. You're really selling me on this lie. And it's really, you know, I'm not able to suspend the disbelief, if you will. And so we have this inside joke because we had a contractor one time show up and he's like, yeah, my electrician guy is not going to be in today. And we're like, okay. And he's like, yeah, he, 
He's got these weird kind of contacts where uh, it's kind of like a bifocal. There's a top and a and, and there's that. They're kind of they're just different. And if you flip them inside out and put them in, they can actually really damage the retina with the way that it attaches to the. Uh, it's a it's a scientific thing, and it's very you know. So he put the contacts in the wrong way, and so he's got a whole thing. He's got to go see the optometrist. There's a there's a kind of process that they got to go through. And we're, Sophie and I are both looking at each other like, uh, what? Like, uh, no, like me thinks T doth protest too much. This is just too much. You're selling it too hard, man. And so if we feel like, you know, we're caught selling something too hard or the other one, we're like, you know, Hey, it sounds like we got an inside out contact right here. Like, I believe you. Okay. Like you're putting too much oomph on this story. It just sounds like it's getting off track. And so if, if we feel like that's coming, that's kind of the wink to each other of like, sounds like this guy's got an inside out contact. And the next day, actually that same mechanic said something about how his car wouldn't start. And later we heard him on the phone talking about his car. And so I don't think the guy even wears contacts, man. Woo. That's so that's what it's like. And pop music for me is sometimes like that. Sometimes pop music, some pop music is so perfect that it makes me feel sick. Like it just feels like swallowing a lie. Just listening to somebody sing something so perfectly makes you feel like if you were really feeling that you'd be your voice would be cracking. Sometimes if my piece is too slick, it really uh, you know, that shine outshines the concept and the story. And, and that level of fakeness can actually really derail your practice. We need the substance in that style. We need the form of the coffee cup to follow the fullness of the coffee, not the other way around. And in this episode, I want to dive into what does it mean to fill your style with real substance? Let's talk about how to pour your essence into that vessel, baby. Let's go. All right, the first thing you gotta do to really pack in some, squeeze that essence and make it potent in that vessel, you gotta get the essence of your bean. You got to know what kind of being am I? What kind of bean am I? What kind of coffee bean we talking about? There was an episode a long time ago where we started exploring some of these ideas. It was kind of the early thoughts that I had on this process. Um, We talked about how like you are as an artist, you're like a coffee plant. A lot of people just want to take the beans off and be like, try this. And people are chewing them up and they're like, it's kind of awful, man. Uh, You got to do, you got to squeeze the bean. You got to get the essence out of there. You need to make the most potent version of who you are as a person. That's one of the things that's so satisfying about learning the craft of creativity is you can really say, you know, this thing I want people to pay attention to, like nobody will listen to me, go on this rant that, you know, you're like, yes, but if you learn the tricks of your trade, if you can turn that four hour rant into a three minute pop song, people will consume it and they'll get it. And they won't just get it in their head. They'll feel it in their heart. That's the kind that, you know, their hearts racing like they just downed an espresso instead of like, 
ah, ah, there's coffee grounds in my teeth. That's the whole idea, okay? But in this episode, I want to go deeper because I've been thinking about this. I have some new takes, some new ways of implementing this. And so it's not strong enough. It's not enough to just make some coffee, to be like, this is coffee. Creativity has evolved a lot. Folgers, your run-of-the-mill Folgers doesn't cut it anymore if you're trying to break through. You got to be more potent, more specific. Squeeze it down to its essence and say, not just coffee, but what type of coffee? You know, if your grandma says, my neighbor's an artist, you'll love him. You're like, no, grandma, art, there's, you know, I love this line from the Roots song, Black Thought says, light comes in different types, be more specific. And that's what it makes, I like that feel, it really puts words to what I'm saying here. Like, it's not just art, it's not just illustration. It's not just comedy. It's not just writing. What type are we talking about? When I say coffee, you probably listen to that and you're like, yeah, you either do or don't like coffee, but it's not going to give you some like gut response, right? Like personally, I like a light roast, citrusy, potent espresso that just punches you in the face. And if you're into coffee, if you know anything about coffee, when you hear me get specific, you're having something, a visceral reaction of like, no, I hate this. Like if I try to serve my wife, some of that citrusy stuff, she smacks that out of my hand. She says, get that, you know, hipster crap out of my face. That's never really happened, but she doesn't like, she knows she doesn't like that citrusy stuff. Right. And, and when you really like something, when you're a connoisseur, if you're a, a fan of the art form, you have a particular taste. Right. And so, you know, light roast, medium roast, dark roast, you have there's specificity in it. Get specific. You got to be like, this isn't regular coffee. Sir, do you realize that you are not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals? What? This is medium roast from the highlands of Guatemala with hints of cherry and pine and aftershave. I don't know. But if you're like me, you're like, no, man, you get this. When it's specific, you get the visceral response. I don't want no medium roast. You're drinking Colombian decaf coffee crystals. What? You son of a... It's not just coffee. It's not just comedy. It's it's satire. It's improv. It's character work. It's physical comedy. It's observational. Like, it's... There's a, all these different types. And when you really boil it down to, this is the kind of coffee bean. This is the essence of my bean. Then you start to get some precision. Then you get to really figure out the process of how to make that come alive with some real substance and depth. This is not, you know, and you're like, I'm not a comedian. Shut up. I, <laughs> it doesn't matter what, I'm sorry. Sorry I yelled at you. That was, that was too much. Um, I got excited um, because I knew that it's not just comedy. It's not just, you know, there's not just genre and music and film and, and what have you. It's true if you're a designer. It's true if you're an illustrator. You know, if you're an illustrator, there's conceptual, you know, illustration that has a punchline. There's narrative, which is writing with pictures. There's concept art, like building a world, inventing things that have never been seen, pushing the bounds of your imagination. That's what that kind of 
illustrative coffee, if you will, is all about. You know, this is, there's decorative, the aesthetically pleasing. What does it mean to do that? There's educational. You know, for me as a storyteller, I'm not just a storyteller. I really, I lean towards the philosophical, philosophical storytelling and fiction. That's where, that's what makes me come alive. I like story that's kind of a thought experiment for a particular philosophy. And that's a very particular type of story. And as an illustrator, I really, you know, I've, I've touched a lot of different types of uh, beings, essences, but as of late, I've really fell into that narrative type, that specific type of illustration. So the first thing you got to do is you got to know what is the essence of this being that I naturally emanate. You know, what just comes natural to me? Figure that out. That's for step one. Quick shout out to the sponsors, Skillshare. I love this class that we made. I believe in it. We packed so much stuff into it. And uh, don't just take my word for it. Brisa, in their review, said just what I needed at this stage in my creative journey. But honestly, I think anyone could benefit in some way, no matter what stage they're in. Loved how it was personal and engaging, not just a professor. Ah, she called me a professor. Spitting out theory, simple and useful tips to follow. If you're even thinking of taking this class, just do it. You won't regret it. Thank you so much, Andy. You definitely know how to create value. Thank you so much, Brisa. Take Brisa's word for it. Go check it out, skillshare.com slash creative pep for a free month trial and take the class today. Quick shout out to Storyblocks, another one of our great sponsors. I just went into Storyblocks right now and I went to their audio section and I have not listened to this tune, but I'm gonna listen to it real quick. Here it is. Oh yeah. I'm about to run up a mountain right now and you can feel it. It's about to happen. <laughs> I love it. I love picking out songs for my video and my audio needs on, man, on the content stuff online. Just, I love it. Uh, it's so fun. They have so many good assets, like the song you're listening to. Go check it out, storyblocks.com slash creative pep to get started today. Step two, the next thing you got to do to fill that vessel with some real substance is you have got to know how to steep your particular type of bean. Okay, every bean needs a different process. It could be the slow pour, it could be the arrow press, it could be the cafetiere or the fringe press, as they say here in, in the States. Um, you got to know, and I really think my point here is... There's a part of the creative process where you're building on the shoulders of giants. We've talked about that recently. You don't have to reinvent the wheel from scratch. You know, I want you to embrace the mechanics of how does one, how does something sound like a particular genre? What are the bare bones? 
once you understand that, once you grasp that, once you figure out how these particular pieces come together to create a particular type of sensation within a body, like some kind of chemistry, then you can start messing with it, subverting it, adding to it, remixing it. But I highly recommend that you understand the mechanics. You think a mechanic is reinventing the wheel? No. Okay, they just put the dang wheel in the car and boom, you're gone. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. I, I, there's this Bootsy Collins clip from back in the day circulating on TikTok and Reels right now. And it's him explaining what it means for something to be funk. I am so fascinated about this. You know, uh, on a recent episode, I talked about Rostam who was a founding member of Vampire Weekend talking about what is boogie woogie? What are, what is it? What are the mechanics behind how something has that feel? I encourage you as an artist to pick up a torch to understand like people came before you, you know, Bootsy Collins explains, you want something to feel like funk to be funk. He's like, you know, you got your one, two, three, four on the one you do the same note. Okay, and it creates a rhythm. And then you can do anything in between that one and the next one. And you can go all over the place. But if you come back to it, it's gonna have funk. Okay, you know, if you're wanting to do satire, one of the ways to do that is the mockumentary style, right? Like the office isn't really a new thing. It's a remix. It's a combination of mockumentary a la Christopher Guest, Mighty Wind, that kind of stuff mixed with British comedy. Boom. You've got the office. The American office is adding what was kind of popular. I think it's kind of injecting the anchorman kind of stuff and pulling from like Judd Apatow, what was going on there, mixing that with the mockumentary, the British comedy, and then this kind of that particular brand of comedy from the States. It wasn't reinventing the wheel. It was taking like, how do you do a mockumentary? Okay, you, you do these things that are very, like meant to be played very realistically. Then you get someone off to the side talking to the camera like it's, like it's a documentary and you get all these pieces together. They didn't invent that. It's been going on for a long time. It's a, it's a mainstay in the satire specific flavor of the specific bean of comedy. Okay. And if you're, you're a visual creator, if you're conceptual, what does that mean? It, it probably has something to do with taking two different symbols, two forms, figuring out a pattern, finding an interesting way to mash them together to create a punchline to create, you know, uh, Milton Glaser would talk about how they're the, a conceptual piece of art is only half finished. It becomes finished when you put the pieces together, the viewer finishes the piece in their mind and it creates an aha moment within them. Those are the mechanics of it. Know your mechanics, okay? Know Bill, your mechanic. That is, I don't know what that is. Don't reinvent the wheel. Be like Bill. <laughs> it's getting confusing. If you're a decorative artist, you might be like, well, there's no mechanics there. It's just pretty stuff. No. You know, I got to visit Hallmark and watch how do they make something that feels fresh. They have a formula. They have a mechanic. 
working there. Bill, he makes all the cards. What? I'm sorry. I'm making it confusing. I'm go- I'm getting off. But, you know, they take old stuff that kind of feels relevant that needs to get brought back to back into the, the, the four, the, and then they take new stuff and they create this, this whole mood board and, and vibe. You know, I think producer, the role of the producer in art is a lot like the kind of decorative side of the aesthetic where it's like, what's the skin we're going to put on this to make it palatable, make it feel fresh. And again, we were, I've been on a Rostam kick recently and and listening to him talk about, you know, we're going to take the boogie woogie sound from yesteryear and we're going to smash it with some of the production of that, that he likes to do and some of the like cold play moves. We're going to smash those together. That is a, that's the fashion. That's the decorative move of how to make something feel fresh. Take something that's out of style that you with your taste know like this would hit and mix it with some of the new techniques that's part of the mechanics. So no matter what kind of specific bean you have, there is going to be a way, there's going to be an established way to steep that thing. And you need to, you need to know that before you think about doing anything original because you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You just need to be a mechanic. Beans, mechanics, wheels, it all makes sense. All right, so we talked about getting specific. What's the essence? How do we boil it down to its potent espresso? You got to have the essence. Second thing we talked about was how are you going to steep it? Okay, get the specific essence and then steep it. The third thing you're going to do, this is your homework, the practical thing that you can do right now is then we can start talking about originality. We can talk about single origin beans, okay, that came from a particular region with a particular type of soil, altitude, water supply. That right there, that's all the originality you'll ever really have. I don't care what you say. I don't care what your opinion is. That's your originality. The way that you put the pen to the page, the way that you, it comes out of your voice, the way that where you came from, where you were planted, where your soil is, your altitude, your water supply, who you are, how your influences filter through you. That's what's original about what you do, what you do with those mechanics, the weird influences you add to the funk, you know, adding, adding cold play to the funk. That's kind of funky. That's kind of weird, man. I don't know. But somehow, you know, Rostam makes it work with the Boogie Woogie Coldplay jams, in my opinion. I know Boogie Woogie and Funk are different, okay? Completely different. I, w- I just got, I was mixing all the metaphors together. Back off. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting angry on this episode alone in this room recording this podcast. I'm angry at myself, my own con. Anyway, Back to the originality, single origin creativity. How do you put your spin on it? How does it have your, how does the substance, I think we all, I think that there's a lot of good ideas out there and philosophy around meaning being like, I serve a particular function for my people, for my, the people I care about. I matter to them. That's where a lot of our meaning comes from. And if you want to create art that only you can create, if you want to have that level of meaning, that kind of substance to what you do, you don't need to overthink it. 
your being comes from a particular place. It can still be a light roast. It can still be a dark roast. It can still be a medium roast. You're going to fall into one of those categories, but coming from your particular experience and background and upbringing and your DNA and your physicality and the way that your fingers pluck those strings, all of that stuff, rely on it, trust it. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to, you know, your originality will come in and of itself and you can lean into it. So let's talk about how a bean gets its originality, how it becomes single origin, you know, particular to a certain space. Well, the first thing is the soil impacts it. That soil is unlike any soil in the world. Where are you from? Where do you come from? You know, I think a lot of us, we go on this creative hero's journey. That's always about leaving home. And when you do that, there is a rejection, a necessary rejection of where you come from and how they did things. But I think there comes a time where you got to return. There comes a time where you got to embrace where you came from. You got to own it. Even if you reinvent it, it made you who you are, that soil. How can you How can you use some of that? You know, for me, I will always be a Midwestern Indiana boy raised in the church. All of that, you know, it doesn't matter how far I've gone, how much I've changed, how, where I've gone out and how I've returned back to the Midwest. That stuff, I I have to learn from that stuff. And the ways that I've, I've started to filter that in to my coffee has been such a, a, a key way to differentiate what I do. Your altitude, okay? Where is this grown? You know, are you are you lowbrow? Are you highbrow? Are you medium brow? I think I'm medium brow. You know, Sophie and I both went to school for art and, and we're all about it. We can get very caught up in the sentimentality and the poetics of art where we can go there, man, with the poetry. But we both also have, most of our family comes from a blue collar background. We both come from, I come from the Midwest. She comes from the North of England, kind of similar altitude in terms of culture, if you know what I mean. And for us, I think we're all about like good taste and great people, down to earth human people. So we're very medium brow. And so first thing you do is write soil, where you're from and how impacts your work. Little, little question to think about. Altitude. You know, are you lowbrow, you medium brow, you highbrow? And then own it. It doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong. Don't believe it's objective. Highbrow is, it, it, you know, it, in the same way, it's sometimes that highbrow stuff, as respected it is by the critics, the audience hates it. For me, I'm medium brow. I want my work to get the same Rotten tomato score from the critics as it does the audience. That's my goal. But some people, man, like they're all audience score. And I... I'm all about that. I'm that do your thing and your soil and your altitude. It's going to impact that. Your third one, water supply. What, what was given to you to quench your soul? What was the worldview that was hit handed to you? And what was nutritious about that? But sometimes, you know, and own that, but then also realize like sometimes the water supply, there was some poison in that thing that you didn't realize it wasn't until later we realized like, ah, don't put all that stuff in your water. That'll really, you know, eat away at your soul's teeth (laughs) if you're not careful. You know, what was the worldview that you were told when you had those big questions? What was given to you? We had Lulu Miller on this show from 
uh, Radiolab and Invisibilia, amazing radio producer and, and podcaster and a uh, huge fan. And in her book, Why Fish Don't Exist, she talks about the worldview that her father gave her as a pragmatic atheist and how it really tore her up. And then later, the work that she creates now actually comes from the same worldview, but a different take, a different angle where she found meaning. And I'm not going to give it away because that's the point of the book. And it's a really great book. But your worldview, the way you view the world, that is where the substance is going to come. And part of that is the worldview we're given. Part of that is the way you rejected it. Part of that is the stuff that you added to it or reinvented or you know, totally built from scratch. But I really believe we say this on the show all the time. If you want deep art, you got to de- be a deep person. And, and that means digging into life, having a take, knowing your perspective. One of the things that's going to define the substance on that below the iceberg level it might not even show. For me, when my work, invisible things, my uh, my characters, that's saying we got an invisible side to life. First of all, that's a fact. But to me, there's also um, the mysterious side of that. There's the spiritual side. There's just this, this wondrous side. And, you you know, when you see one of my little characters hiding his face in, in a tree trunk, you might not be like, wow, existentialism. This guy's a theist. No, you're not going to think that, but you might feel it. You will know that coffee cup ain't empty, buddy. And you'll be able to suspend your disbelief and be like, there's something here. I don't know what it is, but my soul does because there is a water supply quenching my creative thirst. And so that's your homework. I want you to get the soil. I want you to get the altitude and the water supply. Just write those three words down. Say, where are you from and how does it impact your work? What's the altitude? You highbrow, lowbrow, mediumbrow, and then water supply. What is your current worldview? You can think about how it it was impacted by, you know, the soil and the altitude as well. All right. Thanks for listening. Hey, we got, we still got some 2022 creative pep talk calendar. So if you want to fill 2022 up with pep right out the gate, each and every month, you're going to get episode art with a phrase. I like to feel a little cosmic about it of like, this is the thing that I need right now. I'm just weird like that. You don't have to be weird to like it. Go check it out. Uh, you can get your calendar while we still have them at creativepeptalk.etsy.com. That's E-T-S-Y. And for the for the people that don't know what that is, I don't know. Go check it out. It's been awesome seeing everybody posting, getting theirs. Very, very passionate. This might be my favorite calendar yet, but I, I try to make that true every year. But this time I was like making episode art all year, thinking about it being a calendar. So I'm very excited about it. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Massive thanks to Sophie Pizza for content assistance. Uh, thanks to Ryan Appleton and the Kolu Podcast Network, who we, we make creative podcasts that fuel your creativity for content assistance and sponsor assistance and all kinds of good assistance. Couldn't do it without you. Thanks to Connor Jones and Pending Beautiful for editing this show so beautifully. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. <laughs>